One of the things being discussed in Parshas Acharei is the forbidden relations. As an introduction to, the, to that section, the Torah starts off with saying that Hashem is telling Moshe Rabbeinu Dabro B'nai Yisrael, you should tell them, Ani Hashem Eloikeichem, I am, I am Hashem, your Abishter, and do not act like the people in Mitzrayim, etc. Rashi quotes the words, Ani Hashem Eloikeichem, and he explains, I'm the one that told you, at Har Sinai, you accepted my malchus, you accepted my kingship, now you need to accept my decrees. That's Rashi's first explanation. Rashi then goes on with a second explanation and says, Hashem knew that in the future the Yidin are actually going to transgress in this particular area of Arias. This is in the times of Ezra, and therefore he's now telling them this decree, saying that I am Hashem, your God, you should know who is the one that's decreeing this upon you. I am the judge that punishes, and I also give reward. Why is it that Rashi needs to explain anything at all? Well, seemingly it's because, what does this Pasuk even mean? Ani Hashem Obviously Hashem is our Eibishter. Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim. We had Matan Torah already. This is all quite obvious. And therefore Rashi is coming and telling us that there's some other meaning over here in the word Ani Hashem However, the truth of the matter is, this is still problematic, because these words, Ani Hashem, and what they mean, Rashi told us all the way in the beginning of Parshas Va'era, where Rashi tells us that the words Ani Hashem mean that I am Hashem, that gives reward or punishes for those that go in my ways, the reward and those that don't get the punishment, obviously. And Rashi there tells us that many times, Psukim, are understood in this particular way that that's what Ani Hashem means. If that's the case, number one, why does Rashi have to explain anything in our case? If Rashi told us already elsewhere what exactly Ani Hashem means or Ani Hashem, and furthermore, Rashi is actually not even explaining it in the same way. He's giving us some whole new pshat over here. Some other questions that the Rebbe asks is generally what is the idea that once the Yidin had accepted the Malchus of Hashem, they now need to accept the decrees. I mean, isn't this included in accepting Hashem's malchus? Then they accept everything that Hashem says. The Rebbe also asks, amongst other things, of why is it that Rashi needs both pirushim? Why is it that in the second pirush Rashi introduces it with the words Rebbe? Rebbe is the one that tells it to us. And... Also, the Rebbe asks, again, in addition to some other questions, which hopefully we'll get back to some of them soon, is why is Rashi giving an example from a story in Ezra that happened approximately a thousand years later, when in fact, even in Chumash itself, we have a Pasuk where it speaks about the Yidin, Boichel, and Mishpachos, and we're all crying with their families. And Rashi explains they were crying because of the Dinim of Arayos, which means, and this is in fact the example, the first example brought in the source of Rashi in this case, and Rashi ignores this example and goes to a story of the Yidden having a problem with Arias some thousand years later. The Rebbe explains that the reason why there's a need for Rashi to explain the word Ani Hashem over here is because usually Ani Hashem is coming at the end of some sort of story, at the end of some sort of mitzvah, to emphasize that this that we have just said, the mitzvah that we said, or whatever else it is that has, was going on before, so Hashem is saying, you should just know that I'm going to punish for this, or I'm going to give reward for this, etc. In our Pasuk, there's something very, very unique. What's happening is that the words, Ani Hashem are coming as an introduction to 
the following psukim, and that's, uh, that's very unusual. You weren't even told anything yet. Why are you being told you're going to be uh, given reward or punishment for it? And therefore it would seem that the words Ani Hashem Alekeichem are actually being said not in the same way as it's being usually said. Rather it's being said as, as a statement for itself before saying the following psukim. What is that statement? Well, in Anoichi Hashem Alekeichem, which is very similar words, Rashi told us, Anoichi Hashem Alekeichem means that you need to accept my Malchus. You need to accept me as the Melech. In our Pasuk, it's seemingly a little bit hard to say that. Because we accepted already Hashem's melucha. So why is it this time telling us Ani Hashem Alekeichem before this next group of psukim? And this is why Rashi tells us that there's a special kind of mitzvah, although yes, it's true that Yidin did accept mitzvahs already as well, but there's a special kind of mitzvah that you may have thought was not included, and Hashem is warning them that they need to accept this kind of mitzvah as well. And this is why Rashi calls them gzeiros. He doesn't use another term as mitzvahs or other terms. He says gzeiros, a decree. What kind of decrees are we speaking about? Things that are going completely against seichel, against logic. In other words, not only a kind of mitzvah that may be hard to understand, but something that's completely against logic, perhaps even the logic of Kedusha, of Torah itself. And therefore, before we're going to introduce any kind of these mitzvahs, these gzeres, which as we'll see in a second, this is the one group of this kind of mitzvahs, is arayos, the forbidden relations, we need to have a new acceptance upon ourselves on these mitzvahs as well. What's the issue with arayos? Why are they called gzeres? Because seemingly one would think, what could be better than marrying a very, very close relative? You're looking for someone with great yichus, you're looking for someone from a great family, you yourself from a great family, you want to get somebody else, the closer they are to your own family and its lineage, wouldn't it even even been better? In fact, we look in Torah, Cain and Hevel are marrying their sisters. Who else do we have all of mankind from? Yaakov marries two sisters, which later are going to be considered Arayos, Amram marries Yecheved, a forbidden relation that would be later forbidden, an ant, and Moshe, Aaron, and Miriam come out from that. So it would seem to be that the concept of Arayas, seemingly in Torah itself, would look like something such a positive thing. And yet here we're being told that it's completely um, Asur. And this is why these are called Gzeirois, decrees going against Seichel, and we need a new kind of acceptance for these mitzvahs as well. However, the only problem with this is that seemingly, first of all, there could have been at Matan Torah, they should have accepted these mitzvahs as well. And also, even in the Sheva Mitzvahs Bnei Noach before Matan Torah, there's already also this concept of Arayus. So therefore, it's a little bit difficult to say that this is something going so contrary to Seichel. And that this is the Chiddush of what the Pasuk is telling us that they need to accept upon themselves this as well. And that's why Rashi needs to bring another Pirush which emphasizes the concept of the severity of this particular Avera, and that, that Hashem is going to punish for it or give reward if you, um, if, you do, if you stay away from the Avera. And Rashi explains this, why is this something so severe? Where do we see the special severity over here? And that's why it needs to be said even before the mitzvah, Ni Hashem, you should just know about the reward or punishment coming for it. So Rashi hints to this by saying that the Yidin are going to be lenatek bo'arayis. What does it mean, lenatek bo'arayis? It doesn't just use a, another word, which would mean that they would transgress, etc. Lenatek means they're going to be completely disconnected from Hashem through Arayas. The story in the time of Ezra was that the Yidin were actually, Rahman al-Litzlan, intermarrying with the Goyim. 
And when that happens, then the children, the descendants, are not going to be hidden anymore. They're not going to be Jewish anymore. So in other words, this is the idea that's happening specifically in the time of Ezra, and not in that story that we mentioned before that also happened at the time of Moshe Rabbeinu. There was a specific area that does not happen by other Averois, where people are completely being excluded from Am Yisrael. The children are not going to be Jewish anymore. And therefore, Rashi says, as, as an introduction to the whole Parsha that speaks about Arayas, forbidden relations, although we're not speaking yet about intermarrying, that's going to be a separate mitzvah for itself. But really, Hashem knows what's going to be happening a thousand years later and how severe this could be. And this is why Hashem gives a warning already right now about this. Nevertheless, it is a little bit difficult to explain the Pasuk in this way as well. That the Pasuk is now referring to something that's going to be happening a thousand years later. And this is why Rashi brings the first Pirush. The one that's explaining to us that we need to accept Hashem's Gzeiros. But in order to sort of answer this question as well, how is the Pasuk now referring to something of so much later, Rashi hints this by saying that who is the one that tells us to us? Rebbe. Because we know Rebbe darshan the Pasuk in a very similar way in another case. When Rebbe came to write the Mishnah, he had a problem. Usually, things of Torah Shabbat were not meant to be written down. But Rebbe finds a Pasuk in Tehillim by David HaMelech. It says, Eis la, Eis la Hashem. Sometimes we have to do something for Hashem. And in that way, even nullify certain aspects of the Torah to be able to save the Torah. What's Rebbe doing? He's using this Pasuk to write his Mishnah and say, even though it's usually not allowed, we're going to have to do it. So he's using a Pasuk in Tehillim and saying, ah, this Pasuk was hinting to something that happened. It's going to happen so many years later. Similarly over here, Rebbe is telling us that this Pasuk in our Parsha is a warning for something that's going to happen that many years later. And therefore, Hashem is telling them right now, to pay all of the good reward to those that follow my ways.